0: In the 21st century
1: To moving out in podcast markets with Chip your Chip is with Blue Reef Agri Marketing in Morton, Illinois. Chip, how are you doing this morning?
0: Pretty good. We uh, we got winter early. It's pretty gray and gloomy, and uh, enough uh, enough rain that we need at this point anyway, the last few days. So yeah. uh, it's uh, we're limping into the weekend.
1: Yeah, I was in I was in Phoenix for three days and
0: I thought, you know what, uh, it'd be rough.
1: nice. It'll be nice. I get a little, little sun, a little warm. It rained. It rained from about 11 o'clock in the morning, the first day I got there, till the, it was still raining when I left. And not just like drizzly, oh, it's kind of just little buckets. They had flash flood warnings and all kinds of stuff. They had snow in higher elevations. So it wasn't, it wasn't the Phoenix I was hoping it to be leaving uh, the frozen tundra of Nebraska here. I thought I figured it would be a little bit warmer, but you get what you get, right?
0: Yeah, I guess. Sometimes the grass isn't always greener, right? That
1: is exactly right. All right, so this week we've had some, a little bit of movement uh, in uh, corn and beans, both up and down, back and forth. A lot of it, I think, might have contributed to some rain they've got down in uh, in some dry parts of Brazil and over in Argentina, but Argentina is still having some struggles with cold, wet weather in key uh, soybean producing areas, and just the, the market doesn't know what to do, I guess, so... Um, there's a lot of talk out there and a lot of stuff I've read that some folks might start uh, second-guessing those algorithms and start uh, playing the cash market a little bit tighter.
0: Yeah, you know, it's, it's been a tough couple of weeks here. We've seen um, a, a pretty uh, healthy break in, in prices here, corn and beans especially. I, I think we're kind of sitting at two different, um, two different levels here. Uh, corn, in my mind, has cheapened up enough. We're competitive in the world. Our export sales this week bounced back to like 31 million. Uh, That's, you know, at least uh, a silver lining, right? We've spent many weeks where it was the low to mid-teens. And then on top of that, we've seen, uh, I think, three uh, fresh sales announcements of U.S. corn to unknown this week. I think it was uh, the total is just under 400,000 tons, so point being here, the corn market, the commodity funds have a big short position built up. We've, uh, we're probably now almost 30 cents off the highs from uh, a month ago. And we're at an area that's uh, competitive in the world. And we're starting to see that. And so I think corn is at a good value area. Uh, and the funds are already short. So who's left to sell this? The farmer's not going to sell it. The funds are already short. Who's left to sell it? We probably at least stabilize in the corn, beans are a little different um, and a little more, uh, a little scarier, in my opinion. The funds uh, went from a short position on the heels of, um, you know, positive Chinese trade news. Right, we we're gonna we're gonna get this thing done. They're gonna buy fifty billion dollars worth of ag goods. Farmers get ready. Buy, uh, you know, twice as many tractors, oh, uh, yeah. rent more ground. Yep. Uh, we're all saved. And you know, then it's six weeks of nothing. Uh, not only nothing, but It's on again, it's off again, it's on again, it's off again. Uh, And that's just one day's uh, tweets and fake news and real news. So the the bean market, on top of that, um, you don't hear a lot out of South America. There's a couple little pockets that probably are too dry, too wet. um, But it's a big area down there, and you don't hear any general problems. The funds got long on the hopes of a Chinese trade deal, and now we're just falling under our own weight. So beans, um, to me, look like they could just technically, because the funds got long, and um, now they're kind of liquidating that length. Could could easily set back some here um, and, and drop a little deeper than where the corn market currently is. Right. Yeah, that's uh, <clears throat> that's something I'm going to pay
1: attention to because with what's going on in the U.S. as far as harvest goes along and what the USDA makes corrections as far as they start moving towards that january report i think there could be some big moves um one way or the other obviously on uh on corn and beans but uh you know as you look across here it looks like you know the china thing that, that has been such a again it's almost like it was two years ago whenever it first started that you know every two weeks you're gonna have a deal done and we're there they just have to get together and sign a piece of paper, but they just can't seem to figure out how to make those schedules work to go sign this ever-important trade deal that everybody wants to have happen. Um, but you throw that on top of what's going on in Hong Kong as far as on the China side of stuff, and their economy is really starting to suffer. They're, they're really having some, some big economic issues over there. So when you look at the issues you see happening in China right now and the amount of of hogs that they're starting to bring in and they're, they're they're trading with countries now they've never traded before or they've had, you know, like Canada, for example, they've never taken Canadian pork, or at least of any kind of scale. And now they're just as many as they can get their hands on. Um, talk about the hog market and what you see happening and, and what, what China's going to eventually have to do.
0: Yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, that's a that we, we could probably do a whole podcast <clears throat> on the hog markets. Um, I think the hog market is a good uh, overview, if you look at a hog chart, of exactly how everyone, myself included, feels about the whole Chinese uh, trade deal, right? Um, We know that half the Chinese hog herd is gone. Um, We know that they're running out of pork, and their pork prices are skyrocketing. We know they're getting pork other places, as you mentioned. We would expect that uh, pork's going to be a huge part of this Chinese trade deal, Um, they did bounce back. We had a big sales week this week in pork between, uh, this year, the 2019 and next year, the 2020, uh, it was something like, uh, 80 plus million or 80 plus thousand tons of pork to China. Um, that's a, that's a, that's a good, healthy number, but if you look at the hog market this week, it just kind of gave up. And I think that's generally, I know that's the way I feel. And if I feel like that. Everyone else has to feel like that. Just exhausting. Um, listening to, you know, literally um, a tweet in the morning. It's not gonna. It's 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 not going well. We're not anywhere close to an agreement. It's breaking down. Um, the, the other side says no, no, no. It's going. It's going great. And then the next day, it's back the other way. The one side says no. We don't like this. Um, you know, this uh, Hong Kong protection act that just passed Congress. Uh, we don't like what we're doing in the, uh, you know, China sea the the, you know, over by Japan with our Navy. Uh, we're not, we're going to not do this trade deal. It's just exhausting. And it's been 18 months of that. And if you look at the hog market and the hog chart this week, it, it just finally gave up. Um, yep. And, and until there's more, um, more news about this, or at least a finalization, um, the thing I've noticed here recently is that whether you're talking the grain markets or um, or the hog markets uh, or even the cattle market to some extent, every positive um, tweet or news story that comes out, the markets react less and less. And so they're just worn out. I mean, it's yeah. just time to either get it done or don't get it done um, because I think everyone involved is just sick of it. And that's not to say that it's not the right thing to do to try to get, um, you know, more uh, fairer markets. But it really is putting a damper on um, free trade, you know, our markets in general, including the financial markets and the stock market. So uh, that's kind of my rant. I'm sure they're working on this. They're talking daily. You know, the last news yesterday was that uh, China invited us to some more face-to-face meetings, uh, even prior to Thanksgiving. So this thing is progressing. Is it going to get done? I don't know. I think the market is just over it and is going to say, we're not going anywhere, especially higher. So that means we're at best going to go sideways and more likely lower. Until you get us an agreement and uh, get something signed, we're just we're just over it quit tweeting it quit talking about it but quit putting it on the you know the evening news we're we're done with it just get it done
1: yep absolutely no all right so another big issue that we're having as far as supply chain goes um that propane thing it is it is it is starting to kind of correct itself and start there's there is some relief there but nothing at all like like it needs to be and then you throw that on top of uh Looks like the Canadian Railway workers are on strike So there's a, a propane shortage up there And of all places on the planet where you need to have propane this time of year It's Canada So um, I guess talk about that propane market and, and not the propane market But how that's affecting what you see happen with the corn market Could that, could that cause a, a run up in corn Just because of, of the amount of, of wet corn still out there That can't get in yet And there could be some residual effect
0: later down the road When they can do that well, it could be. I think uh, certainly it's in, it's prohibited and slowed down harvest, which is already slow enough as it is because of the weather. Right. Um, but I think it's more of a uh, indication of a of a bigger underlying issue. This was is a group of people last night and we were talking about this, and and that is we planted the crop late in the north, <clears throat> and then we had a couple of uh, frost slash freezes, right. Um, at a normal time, but a lot of that crop wasn't quite fully mature or it just gotten mature and it's just not drying down <clears throat> and you got low test weight issues you've got, um, which brings about its own set of issues with grain quality, a lot of FM, a lot of crack kernels. Uh, it's not going to store well. Um, that is just the underlying cause of why there's such a big demand for propane. Then you have all the other logistic issues involved with that. I think that the whole thing probably speaks to the fact that when it's said and done, when you keep a crop in the field this long, it just doesn't end up yielding what you thought. And certainly, um, I think some of the late planted stuff, it's just not going to dry down. It kind of messed the the kernel up a little bit. And I think that's going to be at the expense of for sure quality and probably yield. And um, you know, it's just going to go towards the fact that uh, this basis is strong anywhere you're at, uh, and it's it's all relative, right? I mean, sure that people in the Northwest Corn Belt are saying, "Wow, look at Illinois and Indiana," but no matter where you're at, you're historically strong on basis for this time of year, and uh, and I think that could continue to go, um, you know, and, and be seen at times, uh, from now till summer and the the time we get the rest of this crop moved. And so I think it all goes to the fact that um, this last 20, 25% of the crop in corn is going to have some issues. And um, and quality is not great. Um, And if you have good quality, uh, you know, maybe you can get a little bit of a premium uh, or push on that uh, later. So it's just another um hurdle that we face out there. It has just been from start to finish a real problem. <clears throat> and, you know, even in the areas that are mostly wrapped up with harvest, now you've got uh, you know, some rain around, some snow at times. Uh there's not as much field work done as there normally is. You just, you know, once you get behind like we did in this spring, it just carries over and and unfortunately we're gonna be uh, in a lot of places behind the eight ball this coming spring. Uh, it looks like to even get the field work done, get a crop in, you know, some private estimates out there, some big, big acreage numbers. I, I, I can buy that, but it, you know, again, it's not in the ground yet, and uh, we got a lot of work to do, a lot of, a lot of crop to harvest yeah. before we're talking about field work yeah. and
1: planting next spring. Yeah, that field work thing could end up just like it was last year. I mean, just not because of <clears throat> anything having to do with the weather, but everything having to do with. Uh, not getting the crop out in time and leading up to the deep freeze of winter, you know. So there's, there's just some, a uh, lot of, lot of moving parts here this year that we haven't had in the past. Um, all right, so let's talk about the wheat market real quick, and we'll finish this thing up. Uh, when you look over what's happened in Europe, uh, the French are reporting that there's 78 percent of the country's uh, soft. Uh, wheat crop is good to excellent in November but they're having some some issues with quality um, and slow planting because of weather that they're seeing over there and then China's talking about taking some some wheat and some flour out of um, Kazakhstan so uh, the, the wheat market is is kind of starting to flare up a little bit it seems like kind of back and forth every day there's some volatility there that we we've, we've seen but there's a lot more interday volatility that we've seen so talk about the wheat market a little bit and
0: and what you see happening there? Yeah, kind of a tale of two two markets, really. And and I think it a lot of it boils down to um, spreads and uh, the funds. And uh, you know that Chicago market seems pretty resilient. You break it back uh, for a second, uh, the funds have big short position uh, built up in the Kansas City market, uh, and they had a pretty healthy short position built up in Chicago. Now, relative, those two markets, the, the you know, I don't know how many multiples more volume there is in the Chicago than the Kansas City. And the funds in general, like uh, like trading in the Chicago contract because of, of the volume, they can get in and out of more contracts at a time. They've been uh, coming out of some of those shorts. So the wheat market, um, most of what you, you mentioned, I mean, there's no big bullish spark out there right now in wheat, but yet it just... It's kind of stopped going down. It seems like it rallies pretty easily. Some of that may be some spread unwinding. Wheat is always kind of the the redheaded stepchild of the of the spread world, and it's right. usually a, a short um, leg uh, against long corn or a long bean spread. And I think that this, uh, some big specs and funds have been coming out of some of those positions, and that gives you that you know, if, you, if you've been long corn, short wheat, and you want to come out of that, um, you know, the alternating position is you, you've, you've got to, you know, buy wheat, sell corn um, as a spread. And I think that unwinding of spreads has been a little bit of a supportive feature. And it just seems like, um, in spite of the fact that there's still pretty ample supplies, both here and in the world, no real major flare ups yet on production, uh, the wheat market has stopped going down finally. And, and it seems like it rallies easier than it, than it sells off. That's a good thing. I don't know how long that'll last. I think we for sure need to, um, as, as producers, from our producer standpoint, rallies into the end of the year, first part of, of the new year, whether there's some winter kill, flare ups, weather issues somewhere in the world, we really need to keep that on the radar screen. And if you could see a 20, 30 cent rally in wheat from this point, uh, probably look at some sort of strategy to start reducing some risk, whether that's some, some sales, some puts, combinations, something, some sort of strategy in your plan, 30 ish since higher from where they're at we're at currently uh to start uh you know locking in some uh some prices out
1: there all right chip we well, plenty of stuff going on here if folks have a plan they're working on or just need help getting guided in a good direction of, and how to even get started making a plan you're the guy to talk to so what's the best way to get hold of you chip
0: yeah best way is just call our office 309-550-7213 uh, you know, it's been a long, grinding harvest. It's not done in the in the Northwest Corn Belt, but uh, coming into the time of the year where uh, having a plan really is going to pay dividends. And so uh, we'd love to talk to you, our office 309 550
1: Well, Chip Nellinger is with Blue Reef Agri-Marketing, and I'm Casey Seymour with uh, Moving Iron Podcast. You can find my podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and about anywhere else that you can find podcasts. Also check out the Global Ag Network. And uh, when you go to globalagnetwork.com go down to the bottom of the page there and describe that newsletter they've got. It's got a lot of good information about all the other guests and hosts and stuff that are out there on the Global Ag Network. So... Until next time, I am Casey Seymour with Chip Nellinger. Let's go move some iron. Out.
0: Iron in the 21st century.